1: We're back for another week of Teach Tapes and joining me is our guest every week Steve Hauser. Steve great to have you back here after an exciting week one.
0: Keith good to be back a lot of good football man I mean God, Thursday to Monday I wish there was more on Sunday and Monday we got a little bit spoiled there um, of watching this stuff every day
1: absolutely well the beauty is you know we only have a couple days to wait till Thursday and we get to do it all again so uh, adding in some of the the NFL stuff so the theme this week really is to know yourself to be able to take care of your own business and when we're looking at what happened this week you were able to pull together some I think eye-opening stats so tell us what you found and how you did it
0: first off Keith it it really kind of gets spurred by everybody you know watching that Florida State LSU game and you know the we talked about mayhem moments. I don't think anybody foresaw anything like that. But, you know, just what actually happened, right? How do little things in week zero and week one, and just going back and studying hey, these punt return mops, what's happening? Is it the guy's base? Is it his eyes? Is it his hand placement? Is Let's be honest, sometimes these reps, they should be calling kick-catch interference. I don't know what these returners are supposed to do, and these guys bail out, and it looks really bad. Just sometimes it's a bounce, right? Two hops, leave it alone, right? too dangerous you end up kicking the ball in the end zone um and giving a punt to team a touchdown I mean that happened with an FCS opponent versus a power five team this week so you just got to make sure yourself take care of yourself and know hey we've all watched the LSU rep It's stay inside out and no one needs to belabor that no one needs to explain it to the coaches it's just people have good scheme and, and you got to trust your fundamentals
1: yeah and that's the key is is you can really find these things when you think of especially this this area of the game the special teams Play a lot of times there's they certainly are things you remember in the game, special teams gets one rep right, and then it's then it's another series. So when these things happen, they seem to be huge and momentous, but really they come down to these small little details that you can pick out and the good news is uh if things are going well with those and something happened, you certainly are going to be able to learn from those and replicate it. And if things didn't go quite right, uh, you're able to find those things, pinpoint the air, and get it fixed so it doesn't happen again. And I know with all these areas, I believe you said 26 punt blocks, 23 field goal PAT blocks, and 20 muff punts those seem like some big numbers here in week one certainly there's a lot of games being played but things obviously we want to take a look at and find detail and see how we could fix each of those
0: what's really unique keith is you look at the the punt blocks and i was fortunate enough to be able to go through and, and find a cut up of what those reps were of those 26 reps only one one rep was a true scheme job that somebody held the cards over somebody else like hey on the board it's a gotcha and it looked that way Right. But everything else, hey, it's footwork on these backside angles is the punter walking to the launch plate of the shield is the shield. Right. Blinking like that is a hard job. You better have the right personnel and stress those fundamentals and techniques. Because, I mean, it's schemed that way. But, man, if they panic and they throw two hands on a guy instead of going to their man, it's not built that way. Right. So, again, you talk about knowing yourself and, and taking care of your own business. Every one of those punt block reps came from something other than someone having the cards over somebody else with the scheme.
1: Coach, getting into the details here of punt blocks, what are some of the specific things you picked up here?
0: One of them, Keith, I mean, it's as simple as having your feet in the right spot. These guys are on the backside of punt and their inside foot is up, right? You got to unlock your hips and make sure you can give ground to gain ground and stay through that eye to far side of of that rusher to make sure you stay ball me man. If you're inside foots up, you're already cutting your path off. And, you know, I know we're all hearing this and being like, well, no, duh. Well, it happened, right? It's a guy's first game, and he's not sure what side of the pony's he's on, and there's no shot he can get to this angle. But there's other guys on the other play, they get coached too. Hey, they're outside foots up. They're as wide in that gap as they can be, and they're turning their butt to you. And if you do hit them, you're still pushing them into the launch point. Right? There's a reason Shane Beamer and Pete Wembo blocked two in the first game of the year because those guys pay a lot of attention and it's fundamentals and details.
1: Steve, I believe and I'm sure you do too that a lot of this comes from this being week 1 and there's a lot of preparation between you know what's done on offense, defense, a lot of scout card work, et cetera. and the little things here uh, that that you have to work against are going to start to show up and I know you picked up one of those in uh, the way that the the punter walked to line. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and why those things are important to make sure you have eyes for it in practice that you're coaching those things up.
0: Yeah, one, one thing, Keith, would definitely be it, it starts with the snap and, and the specialist, right? If that snap is backside, it's really hard for the punter to walk front side and get to that launch point between your upbacks, right? There's a center of the pocket just like there is on offense. Well, the other thing we got to think about on the field his footwork's changing. Where is his target? Is it the hat, the far hash, or are we trying to get that thing to the logo or the numbers? Right. So we got to know where everybody fits on the puzzle pieces, but also when guys are offsetting, right. To try to get away from the backside edge, right. That's given these backside rushers a wider path than having to rush that vertical lane versus these backside block, these backside guard tackles that are chasing to try to get that ball mean man leverage. So it's really little things of, Hey, those, perfect little drawings that we all stress on on the computer where does that actually turn if our geometry is not right with our splits and with our path side note here Keith I didn't even bring this up to you but I saw Kansas State playing with some tempo week one against an FCS opponent their sugar huddle they're already spaced with their fingertip plus spacing coming out of the sugar huddle so all they're doing is jumping into the line of scrimmage and they've already got their spacing so, like, even the how we take the field and break the huddle and get aligned, it's setting them up for success to play with tempo. So they don't have to be perfect, but they can play fast and have the correct operational things to have the best chance for success.
1: And it's something you see time and time again on the alignment. And we get into those situations where things have to change a little bit. An example being you're punting from your own end zone, right? And you're up back has to be in a certain point. Again, if these things haven't been repped, you have to give those guys a a thought process too, right? We tell them, here's where you align, you want them to check, but getting them to go through that and recognize, hey, I'm in the end zone right now, now this changes for me, those kinds of things have to be done again and again and again. So tell us what you saw in that regard. Yeah,
0: there there was one rep, Keith, where – No one wants to be on the side of this of, hey, when that ball's on the the minus one to the minus four, your angles on that punt are messed up. So we've all got our understanding of our scheme of what that backed up punt looks like. Well, this team's a man shield, three shield team. They plugged up the left and the right up back, make sure they've got their man in the count. Well, that true PP, the ball's on the one. He's about six yards deep in the end zone. The punter's got his kicking foot up, so he's just going to jab and plant and get that ball in the air. Well, he punted that thing right into the back of his his shield. And he hits the ground, and and no one wants to see that ever. Like, it's not even fun to watch as a teaching rep because it sends shivers up your spine. But that's something that, hey, we talk about in a walkthrough. How many operational reps have you got a full kick up? And, you know, you're on the – even if you're on the 25 and you're looking at it, it's a really helpless feeling to have your punt team in the end zone. And you're standing there on game day, and you feel he's too deep. You can't do anything about it, right? Like, hand up. Far from having all the answers, Keith. I mean, this is 2017. We're at West Virginia. We got a punt block because the ball's at the nine and our punter is seven yards deep in the end zone. Well, man, we're, we should be toes at 14 and we should be at five yards. Well, there's no tick marks in the end zone for the punter to know where to line up. Well, how many times did I have him pace off what a yard feels like from the back of the end zone? Well, his angle's too deep. That backside rush is nowhere near the backside up back and we get a punt block on the road. We still won the game, but God, you feel bad when you're looking at the tape and be like, it's not just the alignment of the up back that happened this week, week one, but man, that's my punter. And he's not knowing where his spacing is from the ball. Cause he's standing in that, that, you know, ocean of the end zone. So it goes both ways.
1: And it's like you said, it's, it's just knowing yourself and knowing those little things. We have all of our lists and, and the things we go over and over, but you have to go through those scenarios and see how they come up. And again, great teaching moments with what you do with teach tapes. Sending something out to your guys in a clip and saying, hey, take a look at this. We gotta make sure we never do this or that we take care of things this way, whatever it might be. And, and going into our, our next area, the block PAT field goal, uh, 23 of those. But again, a lot of those really not coming off of somebody out scheming somebody else. It's small little mistakes that become critical. And you
0: talk about looking at yourself in the mirror first. I mean, special teams guys, we're we're ones with the specialist. Low kicks are a killer, right? Operation time, operation time, operation time. One team got caught twice off the backside edge. And that's gonna set the tone for everybody else. I mean, the snapper is just as guilty as anybody. You know, FIU got a great jump on somebody because the snapper's flinching his elbows in there right before he goes, and you could see That kid's not listening to it really well coached on that side of it. He's triggering off that elbow flinch and he didn't hear a cadence. He didn't see the ball move. He was gone. And it, it felt that way. Right. So the two best, like true scheme blocks of the whole week one, it was the Florida state game. Shout out to them. I mean, they had two different schemes, right? They sliced between the play side tackle and the play side tight end on a tackle over situation. And that guy got there right away in the end of game one, man, They widened that guy out. They drifted. I mean, that edge, he suckered that guy upfield, and they knew they wanted that block. It wasn't trying to come off the front, the farthest edge. They were trying to get and jump that guy in between the tight end and the wing. That was no accident, right? Those guys schemed it up. They had two really good designs, and they got both of them. So we can talk the fundamentals and techniques of, hey, was it the the same side? Yeah, but it's two different guys on LSU that got attacked. So, again, just like the scheme of the punt blocks, all the field goal blocks, there was really only two great designer reps, and it was both what you guys, everybody saw on Sunday night.
1: When you look at that, that that's happened to you, you did get schemed up that way, what steps are you taking yourself and with your players to make sure, you know, obviously they maybe saw a weakness that they exploited, but to make sure those things are shored up for the next week and the rest of the season?
0: And just to kind of call back what we talked about with the Nebraska Northwestern, I think it's so early in the season, Keith, there's not really a go at guy yet. I mean, there will be, trust me, everybody's going to watch, hey, who's the guy we got to scheme up on on the block? Who's the fish, so to speak? But it was just good overall ball, right? Just like that rep didn't work out for Nebraska, it still made sense to have a three over two. Again, the timing, the execution, all that stuff is a different conversation. But I think that's just people studying, you know, going through reps of what are the blocks that worked in the NFL? I mean, that's one of the areas you can really – the game has stayed the same with the tight end wing field goal. You can really see what's worked and how to study that technique. And, you know, field goal block, I, I've seen guys get so much better at drilling that, right, having different circuits for their players so that it is an emphasis. Um, and on field goal, I mean, man, it doesn't get much simpler than, hey, staying strong inside out, making sure you got your inside hand, deflecting that outside guy. You can only go back into pods until you got to rep it live. And no head coach wants to do that. But when there's a game impact, you kind of have to. Because I've seen guys lose seasons on it, and there's no worse feeling. But when it happens on game day, it has bad – I don't want to say it's worse than losing a guy, but, man, it, it's a kick in the gut either way.
1: I know you saw some things happening on the interior, too, some interior jumps. Tell us about those two that you saw there. Uh, yeah, everyone's
0: got the classic two over one on the guard. I, I thought UConn had a great one this week. Um, Doug Shear does a really good job. He had three over two. Um, on the guard and tackle front side, and you know the team they were going against was was staying in four point and, and leaning with that front shoulder to try to make sure they can't get pierced. Right, two versus one, just driving that guy back with pad level. Well, they they did the whole corral and pull that guy outside, and they pulled through with the three technique. I mean, from a scheme standpoint, that was a really a really good one versus the opponent's technique. So sometimes it's uh, you own your shoulders to contact drive for three, get your outside hand up and let's make sure we're in the front flight line of the kick. But there's other times where you got to know your opponent's scheme and attack that.
1: Looking at the next area there, the muff punt, you see those happen in the game, the situations they happen in two. You almost really feel for that returner, right? That, uh, geez, man, look what you just did. You gave up the game. Uh, some of them didn't turn out that way necessarily, but they certainly came at critical times in looking at those, coaching that up to avoid those, especially in situations into the game, game on the line. You, you know, that certainly can make a difference. So some of the coaching points there.
0: Number one, I think it always comes down to people. And there was a great clip that um, was on the Pat McAfee show a couple of weeks ago in training camp. And he was out there at practice and Pac-Man Jones got off the set and went and talked to the, the Colts punt returner and was talking to him about knowing the rotation of the ball off of a right-footed punter versus a left-footed punter and making sure they can stay square um, in that catch pocket. Well, And McAfee goes up to Pac-Man Jones, like, what made you a great punt returner? He goes, I'm fearless, right? I live life full speed without a seatbelt, right? And people can say what they want about Pac-Man, but I heard a stat that Pac-Man was the only guy in the whole NFL that didn't wave fair catch one year. Like he went back there to make plays and in that interview with McAfee, you know, he said that I'm fearless. Like I'm a dog. Like that's an attitude that that guy has to be relentless and have that type of confidence. And even guys like Jeff Fisher told him when he was a first round pick come out of West Virginia, he's like, man, when you don't have your legs anymore, when you're not that locked down cover corner, you still got to be able to come back here and contribute to a team and, and make sure you have a roster spot as a punt returner. Don't ever lose that. So, you know, guys, Muffet, it happens. You've got to have the right guy to be back there. I mean, some teams, we, we talked about putting David Montgomery back there in a must-have fair catch situation. You know, before I got to Iowa State, they had Alan Lazard go back there when they know they needed to secure the punt, right? We just need to get the ball back. Sometimes it's the communication stuff. We talked about the the clear calls of getting these guys to scatter, right? Get the deadwood out of there and just attack and go make that catch. The ones that really hurt people were the double bounces. Man, that ball's coming in hot. That ball is a weird shaped thing. You don't know how it's going to hit and, the thing's going to keep running, right? So sometimes it went in the end zone and people on up for a touchdown. You know, obviously the the punt team, like from the situation stuff, can't advance a muff punt. Just fall on the sucker, make sure we get the ball because you can't go running it in anyways. But I would say from a technique standpoint, Keith, the number one thing is having a great base, right? If you're not aligned on where that kickball is going, then you've got to win the spot, set up your base, have quiet feet. You see these guys that are, you know, dancing around with typewriter feet. I mean, you got to, Be steady in the boat. Make sure you got that catch pocket. We always talked about it was like shooting a set shot like a free throw. Every catch should be the same because you've got to beat the ball to the spot.
1: So in thinking of of training that, especially if you got some younger guys doing it, inexperienced guys, I know we've been in those situations before. And so at the D3 level, we just didn't have a guy who was – fearless who was going to do something you know we would default to okay who's the who's the guy who could just catch it every time and save us you know the roll and having to pick up uh, a couple more first downs training those guys up i know you said the base and and looking at i guess some of the drills you could put together that can get your guy going over the course of the season
0: yeah one thing is literally just having the jugs machine out after practice and you trigger that thing and you know where it's going to land and setting that guy up five like on a 45 degree angle, like five by five off that spot, and he's looking away from the ball. He knows it's in the air, and you got to say, Look, and he's got to go win it to the spot. And we'd say, Retreat, right? You got to retreat and get over your right shoulder. And then we go to the other side, retreat and get over your left shoulder, get square back to the ball. And it's the same catch every time. You know, when sometimes we'd, we'd go like call outs, and we'd have guys just kind of walking in a circle, like, um, like, um, the heck's that little kid game? Um, the music stops, and you gotta find a chair, musical chairs you got to race out of the huddle there in the chaos and go find the football and make sure you can get to a spot. Usually we'd have that on like, we call it an attack, right? Running up towards the ball. Again, it's just different distraction drills of making sure guys can get to the spot from a, you know, take the running out of it, but still emphasize locating the football and getting set up.
1: Yeah. That reminds me as you're talking about this completely different subject, but I was out at Mississippi state a couple years ago Uh, I think it was during the the COVID shutdown so it was kind of that extended camp period and was able to go to a practice and uh, Eric Mealy had uh, you know, his guy they were going on air but he had his guys as the ball was being snapped and kicked instead of having them, you know, line up they were and they were half lining as they were going in a little circle tiny little circle like that and when they heard the thud then they all broke out from there and I asked him, why do you do that? and he said, well it it simulates these guys coming out. You know they're going to get twisted up. They might get distorted a little bit. They're going to come out of this at different angles, and they got to maintain their lane integrity. And I thought, wow, that's that's actually a re- really good idea, right? It puts some of that pressure on them. You can't simulate, especially if you want to just kick some of those on air like they were doing in practice there.
0: And that, it's a great example of that. I will say this: I, I coached against Matt Brock. Um, we played them. In the Alamo Bowl when they were at Washington State with Mike Leach, he does an incredible job. He was at Bowling Green for a long time. I think he's, you know, moved into a role on defense there. But you know, he's really done a great job with special teams. He's most recently at Mississippi State. So yeah i'm sure those guys are being well coached
1: looking at the other area as a game changer here this week the explosive kick return and and i love i love kickoff i love kick return i hope they're two things that stay in the game i know in the spring leagues they've experimented with all kinds of different things but there's certainly to me a beauty to it and and done the right way some of the the worries about it not being safe are taken out of it i think a lot of that is is technique but you saw some good things here and some bad things here on the kick returns. Let's talk about those.
0: What What's awesome to see, um, Keith, is sometimes less is more. And hand up again, like I was as guilty as anybody of having our base, boundary, and field scheme and wanting to touch it up every week. Just like you could run counter a million different ways on offense, I'd want to blow one to tendency and show it another. But week one's a great time because you have to establish your base scheme. So you're seeing guys, I mean, maybe it's a middleman scheme. Um, Miami had a lot of success, obviously, they got really good players, right? But they're putting a body on a body, front lines blocking two, three, and four. Back end guys are inserting to five, and then the other two bonus guys are cleaning up MDM or going to one. Well, they're hitting that thing like a lead zone play, right? They've got a guy. They're pressing it A to B to C, and if it can stay fast, stay fast. If you got a jump cut and play it back opposite, then go for it. But there's a lot of lanes that can open up in that middle man scheme, and there's some really good examples of it hitting some different ways for them on tape. The other scheme that you see that a ton of people have stolen is that Kansas State kick return. Hey, okay. whether it's boundary or field, that center and that adjuster, they're doubling the center and guard, I should say, are doubling that guy, and they're getting a double team at the point of attack. They're sifting up the wide front end man and getting him on the second level. And you've got three individual wedge blocks right at the point of attack, all spaced appropriately. You're still getting the maximum back end kickout blocks. You've got to really fit that thing well, otherwise you're getting kickout blocks with people keeping it outside in and you got a double team on the other side of that thing and somebody on the second level player. If you don't get overlap from the backside or the kicker triggering down there and throwing his hat across and stopping that guy's feet, that thing splits fast and they can do it to either side. And a lot of teams have stolen that coming out of COVID, especially people studying, you know, the scheme, the scheme that Sean Snyder had at K-State. But, man, it's really impressive what people can do by pressing that wedge and and getting north.
1: Sticking in this area and these units, looking at levels, right, and what these guys can do on levels. Again, another coaching point, something to cover here. Yeah,
0: and everybody studied the the Alabama and Ohio State kickoff, right? They're spilling the boundary, having four guys at the second level. Um, And I kind of mentioned it there against the Kansas State, you know, double four or five. You've got to get backside overlap. You know, the thing we always talked about was the biggest thing that stops field return is getting that overlap from the boundary to the new front side. You can't over insert and be blind. If you know it's going to the opposite side and keep the ball on your inside shoulder, but have the depth to get over the top of the trash and make a play because when that hits and now you don't have a pursuit angle and there's too much junk around man, it, it's really hard when there's a lot of space and, You know, people are talking about how do you rep that second level and, you know, how do you get good at a lot of things, have good players, right? Alabama, they'd always have starting defensive players, you know, established guys, Pat Sertain. um, They had Henry Ruggs as their backside 10 chasing down a big play from the field. Like, man, that guy could haul. And, you know, they had big-time players playing the second level that, hey, see the ball, hit the ball, but make sure you have enough space to get there. So a lot of these big returns that went early this season – It's been new guys, and whether it's a new scheme or, hey, it's just new reps, those second level guys can't be nosy in there and be able to play the ball over the top.
1: I know I texted you during the game or right after the game, I should say, when it happened, and Mac Brown was talking about it in the interview that, you know, we shouldn't have scored on that onside kick. That's a tough one. I think the way it's best handled is something, you know, I had Rob Ash from Championship Analytics come on, and we were talking about the you know, plays where you try to let them score so you get the ball back. And well, that's exactly what happened in this situation. The best thing could happen for App State was they recovered the kick. The second best thing was that UNC took it into the end zone, which they did. So I think it's like you would do on offense. I think you also have to, it has to be probably a program wide word that you tag to those situations that you can send in that. Your players know on special teams hey when we add this word to it it means don't score right we need to go down with the ball or same thing on defense I mean you might have one of those situations it could be a fumble recovery could be an interception and you've got grain in front of you it's very enticing to score but what actually wins the game for sure is that you go down the points at, at that point don't matter you don't want to give the ball back in another possession which in that case I mean you know. UNC got out of it, but it could have went the other way. That game could have flipped on that play. 100%. And,
0: you know, it's interesting. You know, I try to listen to these special teams coordinators' conferences because there's usually some good tidbits of, you know, returners or specialists or just how they organize a team, right? These guys are always changing rosters. And, you know, John Fossil, the Dallas Cowboys special teams guy, he's a big-time guy in the NFL, and he's talking to the reporters about, hey, we've got to have these, you know, as we've said, teachable moments to showcase the NFL guys going into week one, guys, this is week one of college football. This is no loss, right? Talking about going down and all the different situations. It's not just the running back. It's not just the interception. It's, it's on Ham's team, right? I mean, they, they kept that spark alive when, hey, let's knee it out and we can all go home. So it, it's people are paying attention and, again, using those moments to, to educate their own players.
1: And I know the other thing that came up in that game was the excessive celebration penalty.
0: Yeah. And that showed up on the explosive kick returns that I'm watching Keith. And, you know, UNC's playing kicking off from their twenty and, and they give up a big kick return and there's twenty five seconds left and it's like, man, how many times do we have to watch that? And you know, the raw emotion of the game, you love it. it needs to happen, but man, just the overall goal is to win the football game and you still gotta get through that last couple of seconds or less.
1: It's really important and I can think back to you know, it just got impressed on, on me early as a coach to take care of every detail. And if something happens, and you didn't coach it, regardless of what it is, you know, it's it's on you as much as it is on the player. Maybe it's more on you as the coach. And so, I remember like early in campus at uh, a high school I was at, and we would go through with every single team and kind of have some of those big situations happen, and show them the right way to celebrate, what to do with the ball, what not to do, that, I don't know, I think you got to cover those things. And I'm sure they have, I'm sure you talk about it at length, but again, it gets into their head, the awareness. I think it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it, that here's our procedure, right? Here's the way we do these things, and it still may happen, right? There is the emotion, but there's also maybe that thing that clicks in their head is, oh, wow, got my first touchdown here. Here's what I do.
0: And, Keith, not to to steer it away, but, you know, that last shot of the Florida State LSU game, you know, you got Brian Pullian and and Brian Kelly walking off the field like, what the heck just happened? Well, those guys have had a lot of success. They didn't forget how to coach football, right? right? And, you know, I'm looking at a clip of Nathaniel Hackett talking to the the Denver Broncos, the guys who just made the 53-man roster, and guys, enjoy the ride. We are now on a roller coaster every week. There's going to be good and bad, but we got to know that we're in this together. So what what do you do at LSU? Well, you get back on the damn ride. Like, there's no other option. Like, go fix it. Go have another great week and, and make sure that you put in the work and that's all you can control. So it's interesting whether it's at the highest level of college football or these guys starting their journey on a professional season, there's going to be highs and lows, but you've got to find a way to stay consistent.
1: It's absolutely it. I know... One of the things, I was always hit very hard by a loss and didn't matter whether I was a position coach, a coordinator, head coach. I took him hard. But for me, the, the thing that just felt like redemption was to step back out on the practice field. Again, that next opportunity, it couldn't come soon enough. And it was that opportunity to, to get better right? And that's what this is about. And so while things may not go right under the lights all the time, and you, you may walk off scratching your head like that, you reflect on it. And if you're a good coach, you don't let that bury you go and you find the answers and you fix it.
0: Well, we're all in it. And, you know, I, I say we're, you know, this game doesn't leave you as a player or as a coach. It's, it's just how you keep moving through your life and, and do things the best way for you. But know there's a reason that Drew Brees is out there at Purdue watching these games and you know did the sideline thing of the commentating but I mean he wants to be at the blackout of Purdue you know going up against a big opponent to start the season against Penn State and he's riding the wave just like if he was still playing quarterback and he was Aiden O'Connell so it's it's something that's just ingrained in you.
1: Absolutely that's the beauty of this game and That takes us to our Teach Tapes Clip of the Week. What do you have for us this week, Coach?
0: The clip that I saw, again, we talked about John Fossil talking about the situational reps coming out of the college game. He's talking about his own returner. He's got Cavante Turpin, the guy who at TCU terrorized the Big 12 for all these years. I mean, he had two big plays in the preseason that earned him a roster spot. He returned a punt return and a kick return for a touchdown in the same game. And, you know, Fossil called it the Devin Hatcher effect right? The relationship with the blockers, Hey, this double team, this backside single block, I've got a strain and, you know, run around my inside hand and play legal because they know this guy can go the distance at any time, right? There's a trust. There's a belief. I mean, Marquise Williams, the special teams coordinator for the Falcons, they've got Cordero, Cordero Patterson, right? He's talking about his guys. Like they love Cordero, the person. So they're going to make sure they do everything they can for him to have success. He's got one more touchdown. Cordero does until he's, you know, the all time leading touchdown on for returners, right? There's a reason guys want to block for people. And, you know, fossil says in the clip, I can pound my chest and say, it's relentless. We got to give that 110%. But like it's about the guys on the field knowing that they're taking care of each other and wanting to put in that extra work.
1: Steve, another great week of games coming up a lot to learn from. I'm sure a lot to fuel at teach tapes coaches. If you haven't seen it, haven't followed it yet. Go to at teach tapes, just incredible content there. A couple minutes at a time, things you can learn from, things you can send along to your players to learn from. Uh, highly recommend it. And coach, it was, it was great to go over these things, you know, do the post-mortem on it. It's what we do. Um, certainly doesn't mean, as you said, that there's any poor coaching going on. It's things that we gotta find and keep improving on.
0: It's always good to watch good football, even if you're learning from it. It's an amazing game, and there's a reason we're all locked to our TVs this weekend.